And we are recording with Mr. Ron Moeller, who is running for, I believe, office in South Dakota. I probably should have worked that out right before we started recording, right? But I think I got it right. So you're smiling. So that's good. For all future listeners, today is Saturday, May 7th, 2022 at 310 p.m. Eastern Time. This is episode 802. Mr. Moeller, please introduce yourself to all the listeners as well as to myself. Tell me a little bit about yourself and then we'll just be off to the races. Yeah, well, thanks for much, so much for having me on, Tommy. Uh, I really appreciate it. My name is Ron Moeller. Uh, I'm a retired CIA paramilitary officer, did 38 years in government service, both active duty and as a civilian. Um, I'm, I live in the Black Hills of South Dakota, and I'm running for our local Senate seat here, District 31 of the South Dakota State Senate. The incumbent is retiring, and um, I'm running because I just couldn't sit on the sidelines anymore. Besides writing my memoirs was getting kind of old. Yeah. And uh, so I, uh, I, I, I needed to do something. I needed to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Um, I think as well as with some of your previous guests that, that we talked about before we started recording is, you know, they're all, we're all stepping up because we have to, it's our country has been taken away from us for, for many years, one, one election at a time, one, one office at a time. And we need to, we need to, rip it back from them one office at a time one election at a time it's gonna it's gonna take all our efforts there's no cavalry coming over the over the over the rise there's no white knight coming to save us we are our saviors ourselves so i'm i'm here to do my part and i hope i succeed yeah it's uh on a side note if yeah, you were in you were an air branch, I believe. So now if I had on guys from ground branch, I just need to get maritime branch and then I'll have my Avengers. Well, I did I did maritime too for all right. Years. Well, perfect. All right. Well, let's end this yeah. podcast. We'll call Dale and now I've got the team back together. And um, I was also branch chief for uh, personnel recovery. So you've got all four uh, of the old branches. Well, well, this is all we need then. We're at the interviews. Oh, yeah. o- the interview's over. Okay. Get the band it's been back nice talking to everybody. Nice Thank you. you. Too. <laughs> yeah. I'll call I'll call Mike Durant. I'll have him come pick us up and uh let's do this thing. But what like but i it is what you were saying that everyone has to step up and it was it's always been at least in my short life it's always been a quote-unquote cool thing to not want to run for office you know it's you hear like people tell joe rogan or elon like they gotta run for office and it's like dude i don't want to like why would you what kind of slime ball wants to and i think i would agree with that but you have more and more guys like joe kent or like yourself or like uh, Mike Durant, you have these guys that would norm- normally go never in a million years, but now it's shifting from the, I don't want to be a slime ball to, all right, dude, like you have to, like, it's no longer, you know, no one wants to be the Debbie Downer at a party. No one wants to ever tell like your bros to stop drinking. It's late. We got to go to bed. You don't want to be a mom, but it shifts when you have a friend that is maybe college is over and they're still drinking every day of the week, then you got to kind of be the guy that's like, Hey, I'm saying this cause I love you. Like you got to stop. It shifts from, you don't want to be the loser to someone has to do it at the risk of maybe not being cool. So that's kind of a thing that I'm very happy to see with a bunch of veterans stepping up and running. I said it to Mike Durant. I was like, well, you know, now that you're a politician and, and I mean, the color drained from his face. He goes, Tommy, don't ever call me a politician. He goes, I'm going up there to do a job. It just so happens to be a political office. And (laughs) and I say the same thing. I get called that. And I say, no, I'm a I'm a a budding public servant. Yes. Uh, I have zero desire to be a politician. You want to elect a politician? You like my opponent. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But 
but but nonetheless, we're we're hitting on as and as Mike Durant said, he I'm not he goes, I'm not going up there to stay in office. We're going up there to kick in some doors. I was like, hell yeah. Um oh, yeah. But I just don't want to be the first guy through the door. I'll let I'll let Joe do that. Yeah, that'll be Joe. That'll be Joe and Dale. Or you send me. I'll 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 be kamikaze. I don't care. But even now, like with this podcast, if two years ago you had told me that uh, you know, I've always had my political views, but even me in the short I started this podcast on December 12, 2019, the first COVID case in the U.S. was that day. If you had told me that day that I would be interviewing guys running for office, even if they were of my beliefs, I would say, no, get the hell out of here. I don't that's I don't want to do that. I want to have fun. But at a certain point, you do have the realization, like you said, there is no white knight. There's no Calvary. It's it's you. It's you and you alone. It's us. And you yep. get everyone around you, and then that's how it goes from you to us. Um, but because I'm running my mouth, what are the biggest? Okay, let's just Sorry. jump to it then. South Dakota, the biggest thing, and this goes with everyone I interview, is election integrity. Nothing mm-hmm. else matters. We cannot go to step two if step one doesn't work. What are your thoughts on that with the upcoming election? Well, in South Dakota itself, yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, we uh, we're we're uh, we're not tied to the internet, at least according to all the reporting I've read and talking to the Secretary of State, who's the overall authority in in state government of elections. Our local county auditor, um, I know her, her her husband, and he's a retired Marine or former Marine. I gotta get that right. Um, uh, he, you know, he's part of our American Legion post. I mean, it's. You know we're we're pretty we're pretty tight here. Uh, the bigger cities, Sioux Falls and Rapid City, I, I can't speak to. There's probably some low-level shenanigans that may occur. Uh, I don't know, but we're we're pretty good here. I mean, this is we're South Dakota. We're, you know, we we just discovered the internet yesterday, type of thing. Yeah, I'm joking, people in South Dakota, really. But I mean, we're not we're not so uh, um, jaded and uh, corrupt like say Philadelphia or you know, places in where we we've seen the uh, the anecdotal evidence of, of election uh, fraud and, and just bad behavior in Georgia and Arizona and gosh, where else? But so we're pretty good. And, and the people are aware of it. We talk about it. Um, some of the uh, other candidates um, for the for uh, national level, congressional, senatorial, they talk about that. Um but here we uh, we're still we're still pretty good in, at the state level and at the county level. So I'm I'm confident of the election. Uh, I mean, as far as election integrity goes. Now, if you want to talk about, you know, can we can we hold an election in the middle of a nuclear exchange with the Russians? I don't know. The way this regime is, uh, you know, sleepwalking us into World War Three. Who knows? Uh I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Nuclear war, perhaps, but the idea—I think it's pretty—I think it's pretty clear they can't walk out COVID again. They've kind of they've kind of beat that one on the ground. Um, oh, yeah. But I don't. I don't. I try not to fall into like the Charlie Brown trap of like <laughs> kicking the football. I'm like, they're not going to steal the next one. They did it one time, but yeah, oh, right. we've got them on the run. And in many ways, we do. You know, all of the when you use a special weapon, you you can't use it for the first time again. You can never quite have right. the surprise of the first time you use a stealth bomb because then they start Correct. developing radar. So right. that whole 2020 scheme, 
the whole pausing in the middle of the night, the ballots, it was, oh, it's a mail-in election, it's because of COVID. You can't use that mode of attack again. On the other hand, if they were that bold to do it once, I think I would be naive to say that they wouldn't consider cooking something else up. And is that a nuclear exchange? I, I don't. I certainly hope not. That that would be. Well, elections don't matter then. We're all dead. <laughs> We're all. Yeah. That, well, I, you know, but what's surprising me about election integrity at, at, at a at a fifty thousand foot level is, um, you know, we we keep seeing these reporting from you know Arizona's about to you know drop the hammer on this or Michigan's going to do this and Wisconsin that and and then it just sort of fades away, and, and I'm never quite sure. You know, like, is there no political will to, to, you know, um, assure the American people overall, not just in a particular state, but overall that, that the, the authorities, whoever they are, are doing everything they can to reassure us and reestablish absolute election integrity. Uh, again, like we, we always thought we had until 2020. Uh, so I, it, just, it just bothers me that there's that lack of political will throughout. I think it's probably the same thing with thinking that, uh, I don't know why I just moved that over here, with thinking that there's a cavalry or a white knight coming. I think right. it's probably the same idea of how come they're not sealing up the elections? Yeah, I mean, the same people that are voting to to print an additional $8 trillion to send oh, $33 billion to Ukraine to to walk us into the, the office of or the Disinformation Governance Board, the Office of Environmental Justice, just completely raping the southern border with illegal immigrants. How come they're not, you know, how come they're not sealing up the election? It's all right, you know. Yeah. So, again, I think it comes to us. Um, but but with that, what what are some so I try not to fall into just I'm having someone on that I agree with, like yourself, and we're, we're patting each other on the back. We agree the Biden regime's bad. Nuclear war is bad. It is. And elections are stolen. Yes, okay. it is. Yeah. Yeah. But what are what are some actual things that let's say let's say you win the election the election secure there's always some fraud i just mean not in a in a in a theft sense you win you get in what are some actual things that you do because so many people are just when i get in there's going to be honesty there's going to be respect and it's what what does that mean on the ground what does that mean applicable to joe kent washington state mr durant what does that mean in alabama what is that we're going to have honesty we're going to have and you know what we're going to look back to the flag and i'm like that's great like what are we actually doing that doesn't right that's not a bill i can take to the capitol i can't say hey will you sign this it's about honesty and integrity so what can you actually do in south dakota well according to all the uh, political gurus and the longtime established occupants of the uh, the state house and the state senate um, your first term you're just supposed to sit there and listen and and uh, be a, be a team player now it's it's a heavy republican state um, the uh, the goal this year from the state republican party is every single seat in the state legislature both house and senate become republican which is not to say everybody is a adherent to republican principles or america first uh, uh, principles as well so um so there's lots of shades of republicans uh, when we all know that we all understand that what can i do well what i'm what i'm running on here is is um sort of the uh is a is a second third order effect of what happened with covid uh governor gnome uh, 
kept the state open for the most part. I mean, there was some individual, she left it basically up to the municipalities and the counties. So the big cities, Sioux Falls, Rapid City, you know, they all masked up and we had to, you know, quarantine and, and the businesses and this and that, um, all, all the, all the bad things. Uh, but mostly everybody else just kind of went about their, their daily lives. And so people in other States that were very restrictive, Colorado nearby, Washington state, California, a lot of those people, uh, you know, hitched up their mule teams and their oxen and their covered wagons and, and they, they migrated to South Dakota. Um, so we had this, um, this, this rush of, of new immigrants to uh, South Dakota from refugees from other states. And that's one of the things I always tell these people when I meet them on the campaign trail or just meet them anywhere is remember you you came here as a refugee not as a missionary you're not bringing you know your bad policies that you left before from wherever you are and try to say you know gee in washington state we had x and we really need to have that here no that's one of the reasons you left washington state that's one of the reasons you left austin texas that's one of the reasons you left pennsylvania or wherever so and i go oh yeah so, but the uh, the offshoot of all that is is so, um, people are are buying homes, and so the landowners and the homeowners that are selling, hey, it's a seller's market. So, home prices and land prices uh, are astronomical, and um, so the, the the tax assessor goes, oh, good, now we can raise uh, property property tax assessments, which they've done. Uh, our assessment on our house uh, went up twenty two percent. Other people report as high as 40%. Now, South Dakota is limited, as, as a lot of states are, that your annual property tax can only rise by 3%. But when your property assessment rises up 20, 22, 40%, that 3% is a lot bigger than you know, whatever your previous tax rate was the year before. So one of the worries I, I keep hearing from people is that, hey, I'm going to get taxed out of my house in a couple, three years. Uh, this, is not, this is not good because where am I going to move to? I got nowhere else to go. You know, the, the old Richard Gere thing from Officer and a Gentleman, I got nowhere else to go. People are upset. And the politicians in Pierre, our capital here in South Dakota, and in the counties are kind of like, yeah, 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 don't worry about it. It's not that bad. But it is that bad. And so the people uh, say, hey, we need to get a cap on property taxes and grandfathered back to the, the, the rates that we were paying before all this. Now, the newcomers that are coming in and paying a million dollars for a $500,000 piece of land and, and house, well, guess what? You, if you can afford that, you can afford the new property tax bill. But for those of us that have lived here, you know, some, of, some, some people have lived here since the beginning of the Dakota Territory, their families. I mean, um, so, I mean, yeah, it's remarkable. These, these pioneer families are still... Yeah, lots of respect. Um, so that's, that's a great big issue. And that's one of the things I'm going to push. And, and what I'm seeing now in, cause our primary is coming up in on the 7th of June is a lot of the incumbents that are running. I'm running for an open seat, by the way, is that the, uh, they're getting the feedback from the constituents of this property tax relief, a property tax cap, a rollback, you know, whatever the appropriate phrase they, they choose to use. And now all of a sudden, everybody's on the bandwagon for property tax actions. Uh, so yeah, um, I think that's one of the things I can, I can be um, a big part of to help and articulate to the, uh, some of the people that 
still have their head in the sand in, in the state legislature and peer. Um, the other thing is, is um, state sales tax. Uh, we tax food, we tax groceries, and that's not good. I mean, people are already paying an exorbitant amount with inflation ra- rising up every day. It seems like, uh, I mean, eggs have, well, I don't know, double, tripled in price. Uh, I mean, gas has, you know, gone up. Yeah, it's just, but we're taxing, we're taxing groceries and we need to, we need to re- you know, reduce that and then eliminate that. We're not going to go cold turkey. You know, it's, um, we'll do it a little bit at a time. Well, uh, but coupled with all that, because people go, but we use those, those, those revenues to help, uh, pay uh, uh, for education for teachers salaries the state gathers all the money in the general fund and then disperses it out to the different school districts and things like that to help augment the salaries because south dakota has the reputation as one of the uh, uh, lower paying um, salaries of teachers in the in the nation but what they don't tell you is that the cost of living here still isn't comparative to like say san francisco or new york city or or even you know a, a middle a, a middle of the road city like kansas or kansas city or or santa fe new mexico whatever but um we uh, but coupled with all that is we need to we need to do some spending discipline and we're going to reduce our revenues but we need to reduce um our feel-good projects that we do the um the uh, the state just uh, this last legislative session uh, uh, allocated appropriated ten million dollars to uh, for a, uh, a music museum and a school of music improvement at one of our uh, East River uh, universities. I can't I always mix up which one. Uh, the Missouri River uh, bisects the state, so everything is either West River on the west side of the Missouri bank or on the East River. East River is where most of the population lives. Um, and where a lot of the political power resides, which is why Pierre is is right there on the on the river. <laughs> so the compromise location. Um, I was going to say, <clears throat> so the guy who who is it that is retiring that you're running for his uh, seat? The uh, the the retiring uh, state senator. His name is Tim Johns. Here um, he he lives uh, in in the in Lawrence County, which is what our district is district 31 is Lawrence County in, in Western South Dakota. Um, it has the cities of Spearfish, Deadwood, Lead, and a few other um, smaller towns. The uh, uh, Tim uh, was a longtime municipal judge. And then he ran for the state house and he won that. And then he, uh, last term he ran for the Senate when the incumbent then term limited out. Um, and so, but he's, He's up there in years. Uh, he's he's done he's done a dedicated his life to serving the people of the county and the city of Lead as a judge, and he he wants to spend more time with his grandkids and things like that. Uh, he's still got a lot of irons in the fire, and so uh, when I originally filed, I was going to run against him, the incumbent, and uh, I mean it's like I was going to climb Mount Everest with a with a toothpick and a and a you know a ball of yarn type of thing was <laughs> as a lot of people told me but he uh, he decided he announced that he was not going to run just before christmas and um i still i still uh, another uh, individual jumped into the race so yeah so for my own clarification you're running you're running for um you're running for a, a state position as opposed to uh, a national Correct. position. Okay. State senate. Now, right. now yeah. that that being said and this is for i guess for my own education would is it still i mean obviously it is as in the same way that it is for every citizen 
but would you say if i interview kent you can ask him like what are you doing in washington state versus you know and then there's the national issues do is do you still have as much as an impact or at least an elevated amount of impact on national issues or is it more so contained to south dakota um I, I think it's really my depends own on, personal uh, question really has nothing to do with like, no no <laughs> I, I i get that that's that's all right it's a good question actually uh next saturday's our our candidate forum aka debate so this is good practice so <laughs> your timing's impeccable um most of the issues are are, are <laughs> there you go um are are state or local focused within the county you know, uh, things that pertain to everyday life and, and the well-being of our citizens but there are some national issues that rise up. Um, you know, the um, every once in a while, uh, the governor will well, not every once in a while, the governor will will talk about things that are making social media or national media attention. Uh, CRT, the the Supreme Court leak of the uh, draft opinion, um, things like that. So, most of the state legislators are um, they're they're hesitant to comment on national issues because they don't know enough about them i i suspect i don't know i mean some of them are really are quite intelligent but they um they don't want to steal the thunder of our three uh, our two u.s senators and our sole congressman but again i think i think i can have an impact the um in in our neighboring county is ellsworth air force base which is uh, still a prime economic engine here in, in Western South Dakota. Uh, it's also going to be the home base of the new B-21, the first, first yes, home base. For I didn't know that. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, well, I love the, the cool B-21. Thing is where, where I, I live. I love I've never that. seen one yet. So I'm, well, I don't know. I, 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 I haven't can. either. No, if I, if I'd seen one, I'd be in jail. Well, or you wouldn't be on a podcast. Yeah, yeah it's all, it's all good. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, the cool thing where we live in the Black Hills is it's right along the air route where the uh, the current B1s that are at Ellsworth uh, transit overhead to go to the Powder River uh, Warfare Range, which is uh, a, bo- a large bombing range, which is all electronically scored. No, no actual bombs were dropped and no animals were harmed during the making of this bomb run type of thing. But the uh, so it's really cool. I, you know, I'll, I'll hear the roar. Or uh, the other day, a bunch of uh, Marine Corps Ospreys flew overhead, and I guess they were doing something somewhere. So, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of get your groove back on. The juices flow again. Yeah. So, yeah. But um, so, anyways, but but Ellsworth, you know, so Rapid City's growing. That the town outside the airbase is is growing, and um, they're trying to get ready to accommodate three to four thousand new uh, active duty Air Force people. Um, so, and but a lot of those people will. Uh, will migrate our way. We're only 35 miles from Rapid City um, because they'll be in, enchanted by the beauty of the Black Hills, the all the recreational opportunities we have out here. I mean, hunting, fishing, uh, mountain biking, skiing, cross-country skiing. Yeah, it's just, it's remarkable. Um, it's it's like Colorado used to be, but without all the uh, um, weird the weirdness that it is now. Yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm so jealous that the B twenty one is going to be you know and uh, I had on a been like July twenty twenty I had on Brigadier General Robert Spaulding or former Brigadier General I guess maybe always right. he was a B two Spirit pilot mm-hmm. and uh, I was I I've always loved the B two and uh, I actually ended up like calling Northrop Grumman like a week later and I was trying to get someone to come on to talk about the B twenty one and I got chewed I got chewed out. 
asking about that. They're like, who are you? Why are you calling? And I was like, I just, I didn't, I didn't. And I was like looking into it later and like to start doing like more research. And I was like, I didn't realize just how buttoned up special access programs were. Like I knew, I knew they were, I know they're above top secret, but I was like, oh, um, um, yeah. And I was like, they definitely think I'm like probing or something, but, uh, no, that makes me so excited. You should have, you should have done your checkoff imitation. Where are the nuclear vessels? No, I was going to say, I should have just started speaking Chinese and then I would have got some attention. Or if I at least a Chinese accent or something, Cantonese, I don't know. And then, I'll, yeah, if, if I'm going to get no knocked by the FBI, I might as well go all in. But well, well. that, yeah. Um, but okay. But um, now, regardless of it, you know, you really maybe not being as involved with national issues. I want to bring it up anyway. What you brought up about like nuclear war, and maybe this is more so just my own again interest in you as someone that was a. Uh, that was in the uh, the special activity center uh, allegedly how much oh, no, I, got, I got the mug i can prove it i well the, I the, the other guys i've had on from it are always like you have to call it oga oh so, well yeah that's that's true but it was when we were in it was a division not a center okay okay so, yeah well i know well that's what we i always sad. i know well, i know i know the sad guys that that's why i always would say at the first time i had dale on i was like i was like have you i was like i'm such an idiot i was like have you ever heard of special activities division he was like ground branch and i was like were you in that this is where i just started podcasting and he goes we're not going to talk about that and i was like i was like hell yeah and then he just kept staring at me and he goes we're not going to talk about that and i was like oh um but okay so as someone that was in the i mean the real life black ops how much of i mean i'm as big as a a rah-rah american as there is i love this country for all of its flaws for all of its mistakes of which there are many i genuinely do believe it's the the greatest uh, patch of land in society to ever exist in mankind nowhere else can you sit here and openly criticize the government and uh my head won't be on a pike tomorrow i can do 800 episodes of and that's a good thing that that you cannot for all of our flaws, there's a reason why people still flee here. Mm-hmm. That being said, I always have to, I saw a quote yesterday and it was, it was like the snake that doesn't molt its skin refu- or uh, stops being a snake. It dies in the same way. If you don't allow your, your, your thoughts and your, your structure of the world, what you believe to be, if you don't continually break that down and reform it, then you cease to have an active mind. So I always have to play devil's advocate really for myself and constantly break it down. And watching what's happening with Ukraine, I can't help but feel like, like we, are, we are pushing for this to turn into a greater exchange. It doesn't seem that we're, we are it doesn't feel like it's October 1962. It doesn't feel like we're pulling out every stop to avoid this going nuclear. There's something about this that seems like we are, I mean, and yeah, the meme is as old as time. Well, of course we like a war. We make a lot of money. Okay. Yeah, I get that. (laughs) This isn't invading Iraq. I mean, this is going up against another power. I mean, it just came out what yesterday, the day before that with intelligent, with help from the U S intelligence community, they were able to uh, sink the Russian warship. Like that's, I can't help but feel like we're watching something unfold that in 60 years, I'll be like telling kids like, yeah. And that's, you know, I remember that that's when it all started to come apart. What are your thoughts on that? If you would 
touch on them. You don't have to. Oh, I have no problem. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I have no problem talking about war stories. What I, you know, what I did when overseas, where I was, you know, and that's, and they're war stories. It's just no different from, you know, any other, um, you know, Joe in, in the army or the Marines or, or, you know, talking about, you know, there I was deep in the heart of grenade pin land and, and yeah. yada, yada, yada. And, and it's, it's usually, it's fun stuff. It's sad stuff. It's important to say that, you know, to talk about those things and remember, but um, when you get to um, this thing about, you know, U S intelligence, you know, helping this, and and you're going who the heck in the community is talking and bragging about that yeah i mean i get that that you know a lot of times the only thing the public sees in in the media that is is our is the intelligence community the cia our failures um but we don't go around boasting about our successes they're they they just are and um so it leads me to suspect that there's probably some mid-level staffer at the nsc who's trying to buttress the reputation of the administration the the regime uh you know that we're they're 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 stalwart and they're forthright and they're defending you know they're helping ukraine you you know slava ukraine you know defend against the evil evil russian dude yeah it's but it's bad i mean because what and what bothers me is that the uh none of the uh like the director of the cia or any of the former directors which except for one or two are pretty well political turds um the uh, sorry i i, I call them as i see them that's i told you at the beginning i'm not a politician yeah i don't care you and, can say whatever you want man i don't care yeah but the and then none of them have come out and you know and and chastise the the unnamed leaker or leakers of this reported information saying that this is not what intelligence professionals do um a long long time ago <laughs> in um I, um, when I was a young, uh, staff sergeant in the air force in 1981, I was, I was in Korea and, uh, the, uh, the, the second most senior ge- army general officer, there was a, a Lieutenant general by the name of Vaught, uh, general Vaught, when he was uh, a major general, I believe he was like the over overall commander of operation Eagle claw, okay. the, uh, failed, the failed. So, I mean, he's longtime special ops guy and, um, yeah, I, I learned a lot from him just by him not saying things. And I remember him at one one meeting or, or get together of something or other in D.C. where he got pissed. And boy, that man had not lost a step and he could still, you know, he he would lock you up like a D.I. on, on the uh, on the parade field in San Diego or something or, you know, whatever. You know, I mean, it's something right out of, uh, um, you know, full metal jacket. The uh, And he said. You guys just all need to shut up and be quiet. Remember, we're quiet professionals, and and we're all like, oh, you know, Dad's mad. <laughs> we yeah. better stop. Yeah. I mean, not that we were talking, but he was he was mad at that sort of thing. But it, it the other thing that um, you know, the flip side of that is, I, I think there's it's it's some sort of misguided effort to rehabilitate the image of the intelligence community because it's taken a lot of hits the last few years. Um, you know, the, the CIA discovered that, that Donald Trump is a Russian agent you know, he's a Putin stooge and f- 51 of my former colleagues or whatever the number is yeah. signed, signed this memo. Russian and, disinformation. Yeah. And they're, and they're totally unrepentant about it. And in fact, they're still out there today 
uh, pushing for further U.S. involvement. Um, one officer in particular, um, he said, man, all of, all of us former special operations and, and agency guys were chomping at the bit to get involved in Ukraine. I wrote him back before he blocked me on Twitter going, what the hell are you smoking, dude? You know, I, I'm not chomping at the bit. And oh, by the way, uh, is your son leaving, leaving college? Is, is he, when's he going down to the map station to enlist in the army or the Marines? Because, you know, put your money where your mouth is. Cause you know, my son, by the way, is an active duty army soldier. My daughter is a Navy reservist. Her husband's an active duty Navy, uh, master chief petty officer. So yeah. Hey, um, you know, I, I got skin in the game here, dude. Um, shut the F up. Yeah. And he, oh, he got mad and he huffed and he puffed and he, he patronized me and this, whatever. I don't care. But, and then he blocked me and, and other people like, well, you were just mean to him and like, wow, I, I know he's thin skinned, but you know, he did, he did one, one tour towards the end in, in Afghanistan. And suddenly he's the Afghan expert on MSNBC, you know, <laughs> him and his, him and his good buddy, Malcolm. So. <laughs> it's yeah. I, I've had so many people like message me in the last two months. Um, being you know asking me about the guys i've interviewed you know dale or joe ted either both in ground branch or uh, mike duran i've had on guys that you know operated nuclear submarines i've had on tank guys i've had on had on, uh the point is like man i bet x y and z i bet they're chomping at the bit to go uh to go uh, you know go get some russian kills and i'm like i can tell you that across the board to a t none of they want nothing to and not just because they're retired they're just going, what do we know? No, it's the us. wrong word. I mean, and, and you, yeah. And, and you brought up October 62, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis. But I, th- I think that's a, an incorrect uh, analogy or historical uh, sure, perspective. Thermonuclear weapons in Cuba. It's, right. I, but yeah. I, I think a, be- a better uh, um, way to look at it would be the guns of August. Sure. August 1914. Yes. And we're Stumbling into World War One. Exactly. Exactly. So for all you uh, folks watching, you know, get out your Kindle or your Amazon uh, book, nook, crook, whatever it is, and look up uh, Barbara Tuckman, Guns of August, read it, and you will be amazed at the absolute stupidity of all these royal families and, and their government ministers and how they just blindly w- stumbled into war that cost millions of lives and irreparably harmed the uh, the world order i mean you know vladimir lenin was hanging out in, in switzerland uh being nothing more than a, a pain in the ass to the swiss but not doing anything until the germans said hey we'll you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll secret him on a train and we'll take him and we'll we'll plant him in petrograd now leningrad and he'll overthrow the the government of alexander krasinski who had taken over when the czar got overthrown and we'll cause turmoil in russia and then we can move all our troops to the west and we can defeat france before the u.s gets here i mean all this stuff just you know i mean you got to really ask the the what if question what if we hadn't done that and what if lenin had just been you know not not moved you know how many millions of lives would have been would have been better for it and 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 you know you know entire families wouldn't have been wiped out in in horrible horrible war both in one and two and and the and the all the uprisings in hungary and elsewhere it's just so anyways i digress have you ever listened to a dan carlin's hardcore history no oh it's a it's a podcast series but I've listened, I don't know how many 
I've, I listen to a, a, like a historical audiobook every week. That's just, like, I try to get one done every week just so I can know more about the world. It is better than any audiobook I've ever listened to. It's uh, it's six parts, four hours each, but it's called Blueprints for Armageddon. It's about World War One, And he goes specifically into the uh, the guns of August and how, you know, afterwards the generals were, how did it all happen? And ah, if only we knew. And then how JFK was, I think he was reading it and he made like Curtis LeMay and Bobby read it. And right. I think his quote was like in 60 years when, you know, the only people alive are in like nuclear bunkers. I don't want them saying, how did it all happen? And they say, ah, if only we knew. Right. So the point is, although you're right, Cuban Missile Crisis wasn't the best example because it's thermonuclear warheads on the shore of Cuba. But no, 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 you're correct. But the point is, is there was still an idea of everything we should be doing is to not fall into this. And I mean, what did they all say in World War One? There can't be a world war. The world is too interconnected. You Mm -hmm. could take that word for word. You could take the statements leading into 1914 word for word. You would just have to maybe replace the occasional telegraph with iPhone and oil lanterns with LED lights. But if you just took those sentences word for word, they apply right now. There could never be a world war. The world's too interconnected. It would be the end of the world. The weapons of destruction are far too great now. It goes word for word with right now. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that's what's happening. I mean, we have these headlines of like, how bad would a small nuclear exchange be? And it's 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 just a it's just a little Prussian army. We're just going to do a little bit of marching. It's just a couple of uh, the of the yeah. Kaiser's trains. It's all it is. It's just a little bit. We're just sending. We're just sending over a couple Liberty ships. That's all we're doing. It's just a couple <laughs> of Doughboys. It's just a couple of Maximus. We're just going to send over a couple of biplanes. It's just a couple of mustard shells. It's just it goes on and on and on. And then it's right. all finished. And we go, gee, Willikers, how'd that happen? And it just it feels like we're stumbling into it. And well, sorry. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. And and and, and the and the, the worst part about it is, is that our our national security establishment, the foreign policy, you know, the State Department, the DOD and all the ancillary agencies around um, involved in that they're all doing their best to not solve the situation they're just trying to you know you know feed feed the feed the beast yeah and you know and there's you know all of a sudden we're seeing like hey finland wants to join nato too going like well that's that's intelligent why don't we just why don't we just really piss off the russians i mean there's no threat against Finland right now. And uh, it just, it just blows me away that it's, it, it's this headlong rush in slow-mo because we're moving at the speed of Biden yeah. to, uh, you know, to, to just do silly stuff. And I think the other thing that it points out, and this is going to be really radical and I'll, I'll probably never get invited on another podcast again, which is okay. Well, well as um, a podcast that's been permanently banned from YouTube, this is the center for radicals now, including oh, such excellent. radical minds like, Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. Peter McCullough, such rabid people. Yeah, my wife, yes, my, my wife enjoys listening to them. Yeah. The, uh, is that, um, you know, NATO, like, like, a, like a World War II convoy, you mentioned Liberty ships, travels at the speed of the slowest vessel. Yeah. So the, the least responsible, the smallest country in NATO can bring every, all, all the members of NATO into, into some sort of conflict that 
hey, we didn't sign up for this. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I really, I really don't think that, um, you know, if, if Romania decides to, uh, you know, take care or Moldova, you know, whatever and Transnistia and, and it, it spills over by accident because, you know, we moved the Romanians moved troops too close to the border or whatever, uh, you know, yeah, sorry guys, we're, that's, that's up, that's on you. We're, we're not part of that. You know, you can't cry article five and say, come save us. Uh, especially when so many of you have, have failed to meet your, your obligations on defense appropriations, uh, maintaining the currency of your, of your military. I mean, that's a, one great thing here is, I mean, you know, here, here's a, here's a, here's a unique friend. Trump was right. You know, these guys aren't, aren't prepared. Yeah. I mean, the, the Germans, you know, they got, Hey, we're, we're going to sell all these, we're going to give you all these weapons out of depots because we got no soldiers to, to man them. And, you know, just, and just silly, silly ideas like, Hey, we're going to, we're the Poles, we're going to send all our, our MiG 29s over to the Ukrainians. No, you're not. That's just stupid. It's in a way. <laughs> I can't help but love that that Biden's doing what Trump wanted done. Like, you know, like, yeah, for instance, like, you know, CNN would never cover like Islamic terror attacks. And then Trump would say there were eight Islamic terror attacks last year and CNN would go fact check. There were only seven. And then now you have CNN talking about (laughs) it. It was just like you'd watch it and it was just. Trump was the guy at the laser pointer and CNN was just a cat. He was just, it's so funny right. that everyone's like orange man's bad. All, all of his legacies being undone. Well, what did Trump want? He wanted the NATO nations to start paying their fair share. Right. What's happening. And, and, it, and it was remarkable how many people in the DC uh, foreign policy uh, establishment, um, no matter what their Democrat Republican, it really doesn't make any difference. It was like, he's going to break NATO. We, we can't have this happen. They were so used to the status quo and the way things we've always done it this way that they were unwilling to realize the, that they, uh, they had no more position. And, and Trump was right in that you, you guys need to step up. And we, and the other, and that goes then the second thing is on that NATO needs to really focus on why do we exist? I mean, the original purpose of NATO was to protect Western Europe from the Soviet Union invasion and things like that. Now we talk, we hear talk, you know, the NATO Secretary General, hey, we're we're going to send a, a, a NATO task force to the Pacific. And, you know, NATO was involved in Afghanistan. And, and NATO was, well, the NATO nations were involved in Iraq. It's like, guys, that, that you're a long ways away from the North Atlantic. Yeah. And let's 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 focus on what's important here. Yeah. Yeah. If, it, if they wanted to otherwise change, change the uh, change the charter, change the treaty. Yeah. Nations jumping into NATO right now is like. Is like pe- people leaving like a like an avalanche zone or like a building collapsing, walking into the hospital and like signing up for health care. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, on one hand, I get like, I am my brother's keeper, but it's like, dude, those are some pre-existing conditions that we're just, you know, Ukraine wants to join NATO and it's like, they're, huh? <laughs> it's they're they're no. in the war. All it takes is yeah. one more artillery shell. You can't, you can't have it set up to where one Gavriel Princip can go fire a gun a couple times and then it's the end. And it's it's not world. It's not 1914 where we have a bunch of horses and uh, and, you know, 
and uh, what's it called? And Maxim machine guns. We, we can't have that because mm-hmm. it's it's there are there are Titan missiles, there are Miniman missiles, there are MX missiles, there are the Satan two missiles, the Dong Fang. It's not it's not it's not an explosion here. It's not what was the British bomb in World War One? The the Grand Slam. It's not even those that uh, the puny little atomic ones we dropped on. It's the big daddies. It's the five, the nine, the ten, the fifteen megaton thermonuclear world-ending mm-hmm. extermination salted weapons. And we're all still sitting here just tweeting, like, you know, is it moral to drop a nuke on Moscow? And it just seems like in a way, it's almost poetic that this is how humanity ends. Like hashtags and changing your profile picture to a ukraine flag it's we're kind of it's the kid that never got punched in the face and he's just been talking smack and then he finally goes you know he's finally hanging out with some kids from like a bad school and he gets his teeth knocked in we've been hashtagging and sloganing and going on nightly shows for so long just saying what should be and how things ought to be never really the rubbers never really hit the road and now for the first time, people are seeing that it's real. Like you can go join and go fight with Ukrainian forces. You have people going there and they're like writing online. They're like, this is like the Russians are bombing us at night. We don't have night vision goggles. This isn't fair. And it's like <laughs> the real world has come not not even knocking. They've gone full battering ram on the front door. And it's like reality's <laughs> here. Not even a bat. They've gone full shape charge. Reality hasn't come knocking. Reality is no knock to 2 a.m. They shot your dog. And it seems like we're all just sort of, like you said earlier, we're just sleepwalking into it. And the optimist in, in me, and it's still bad, the optimist in me says that this is a lot of people. It's like a corporation with fiduciary responsibilities. Sure, there are corporations that are just evil, but there are a lot that it's just mm-hmm. a dog chasing a bone. And if you went and looked at it on a granular level, it's a bunch of guys trying to get their bonus, then a bunch of guys trying to get a raise, and no one was actually for the, I don't know, the Valdez oil spill. It just, it was kind of this meta manifestation. Mm-hmm. I like to think that there are a lot of people in the, the deep state, the blob, the senior executive service, the intelligence community, the beltway bandits, the defense contractors. It's just a bunch of guys like me just doing their daily job. And it's manifesting into we need to get involved with Ukraine. Worst case, I think there are a lot of people that don't want this fixed. War is good. Uh, mm-hmm. Biden could be a wartime president. We don't got to worry about inflation. We don't need to worry about vaccine mandates. We don't need to worry about censorship. We got a war. I don't really know where I'm going with this. No, that's all right. I, I, I get it. You're it, it, it's depressing. And it's um, I mean, let's you know that people uh, on our on the West are talking about, you know, small nuclear exchanges, that nuclear war is survivable. And, and this is the this is exactly the opposite of what. You know, again, after when I was a young Air Force guy, I was in Strategic Air Command, okay. and you know, yeah. So yeah, peace is our profession, yeah. war is our business, and and that sort of thing. And it, you know, and I was involved in, in in nuclear war planning on the old JSTPS, the Joint Strategic Target Planning Staff. You know, that we got to do the psyop, the the, the, yeah. the doomsday plan. Yeah, and it was, and you know, it was. Uh, 
it was exciting. It was intriguing. It was hard work. I mean, we didn't have, we had, you know, key punch machines and, and, uh, you know, uh, my little surface pro has more uh, computing power than this ginormous computer that I had an old rollerball mouse on it. And, you know, I'd go home and my wife go, hey, so what'd you guys do today? Ah, we, we planned the destruction of the city of Kiev. And it, it really wasn't, it's, it has nothing to do with Ukraine today, but it was, I mean, it was, it was actually intriguing because, you know, we have the triad. And so, you know, what, what, what's going to arrive first? Well, the, uh, the Polaris and Poseidon and Trident missiles, depending on what sub-platform was. It. Yeah. So they would arrive first. Well, and okay, their warheads are X. And so we had to destroy these economic targets, these military targets, these governmental targets, not the population centers themselves. They just happened to sort of be in the way, I guess. Oops. And, uh, and then of course the, uh, the Minutemen and then the, the old Titan twos, which are out of the inventory. And I would, then they would arrive. And then last and certainly not least, you know, here he comes, here he comes, here comes the B 52s and the FB one elevens. And, yeah. and they would, and so we were trying to make sure that these weapons would be dropped in, in such a choreography that they would wouldn't uh, cancel each other out because of the physics of of of, of air air burst, ground burst, and, and the, the the blast waves. Uh, sorry, you're making my head hurt. You know, it's, no, but no, it no, was no, uh, no, but it was it was it was unique, and it, it took a lot of uh, a lot of effort. So when people say, "My God, we have a lot of nuclear weapons," well, the uh, the the president and that had dictated that these different categories of targets, military, political, uh, economic, had to have we had to achieve certain levels of destruction on them in order to be victorious. Uh, so that always, then we had to allocate the right kind of weapons in the right order and on and on and on. But so we were doing that. And then uh, of course, this is during the, uh, I was in SAC during the Carter years and the, uh, the, the first year of Reagan. And um, it was, uh, well, no, I wasn't. In, no, it was all the Carter years. Yeah. Fun times. Um, the, uh, uh, and then, of course, the Russians were doing their big buildup, which, you know, Reagan's buildup then negated and, and led to the, the destruction, demise of the Soviet Union. The, uh, but I, re I still remember uh, a colonel general, senior Russian general officer say the correlation of forces has shifted once and for all and irrevocably, basically that now the, the Soviets felt they had the, the preeminence of forces in all aspects um and and they they and this general went on to talk about how nuclear war is survivable they were prepared to hunker down absorb uh a u.s retaliatory strike because or you know as they like well when the u.s strikes first but it, you know it was all that was part of the propaganda but they believed that nuclear war is survivable and that was very scary for us because it sort of eradicated the whole concept of mutually assured destruction. I mean, if you believe that nuclear war is survivable, what's to stop you from initiating a nuclear exchange? So, I mean, and that the whole mad doctrine goes out the window. So that was very worrisome. And that led to um, the development of the B2 because we needed a, 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 a bomber that was invisible to existing radars. That could loiter for long times over over the Soviet landmass to take out the SS-20 mobile ICBM, uh, the SS-16 intermediate range ballistic missile, mobile missile, um, and other uh, uh, and and regenerating targets that 
you know, oh, we forgot that airfield didn't get didn't get blown up enough type of thing, or or ooh, we didn't get the sub pen hard enough, whatever. So we needed, I mean, all these things, you know, cascading events or uh, effects happened. It was so when I hear people in the West start talking about nuclear war is survivable, if I was sitting in Moscow, I'd be very worried. I'd be terrified. You know, because wait, now the West thinks it's survivable. Well, you know, why, what am I, I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna wait to get destroyed and there's, there's enough hair triggerness going on anyways. So yeah, no, I, that bothers me that nuclear war is, is abhorrent and no, the world's not going to be some flaming cinder and, and we're going to hear Charlton Heston's voice in, in the overdub talking about, you know, gosh, it was once a beautiful planet. Now it's nothing. And that sort of thing. Um, but it, it will, you know, life as we know it here in the Western Hemisphere in, in the north northern latitudes, we're gone. It's gone. As, uh, as President Eisenhower said, there wouldn't be enough bulldozers to get rid of the bodies in the streets if the bodies hadn't been vaporized. This is true. And I mean, so, I mean, let's let's all let's all move to Tierra del Fuego down in the southern tip of Argentina. Go hang out with some uh, some Nazis that escaped on you. Yeah, they're all they're all dead now. Yeah, they're all dead now. Mr. Mueller, just tell, the penguins. Tell everybody where uh, they can find you. I got to use the restroom real quick. I'll be right back. Sure, uh, you can find me uh, here on Twitter at uh, oga uh, underscore ron. I'm on uh, Facebook as, as uh, Ron Moeller. And I have two Facebook pages, obviously, uh, my personal one. And then I have my uh, state Senate campaign page. I also have a campaign website, ronmuller.com. It's uh, pretty, pretty good. It talks a little bit about me, uh, has some cool pictures, uh, some other media interviews that I've done here with the South Dakota media um, in uh, relationship to remembrances of 9-11 and the the, uh, the evacuation of Afghanistan, recounting some of my experiences there. And it talks about my positions on local issues, uh, such as, as I mentioned earlier, property tax, property tax relief, sales tax relief, uh, the timber industry. Um, you know, we, we, we hear a lot of reporting, or maybe not a lot, but some reporting of uh, the, uh, the, the shortage of construction material, lumber, and the increasing cost of, of such lumber, said lumber. Uh, part of the reason is that the U.S. Forest Service has decided to uh, reduce to almost the point of it's, it's economically not feasible uh, to harvest timber, to cut down trees and take them to the sawmill and make them into two-by-fours or, or chip them up so we can make plywood. The, um, and that's happening not just here in the Black Hills, but throughout the Western United States. And uh, it what it is, is 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 the worry that we have here in the Black Hills is that uh, because of this, we're not able to harvest um, the, the uh, ponderosa pines and the other trees that are here. Um, we're going to have a, uh, a California, Northern California forest-like situation wherein the, uh, the forest is just going to be so uh, polluted with uh, um, trees and, and uh, down trees and things like that, that we're a tinderbox. And the last thing we can afford here in the Black Hills is a wildfire. We had one uh, several years ago called the Grizzly Gulch Fire, which almost uh, got to the outskirts of Deadwood. And it scares a lot of people. And I live in in the middle of the woods, and it scares the heck out of me too. Um, so, you know, that's one of the things we're fighting. We're working working to fight with uh, the U.S. Forest Service. 
headquartered in Denver, taking their orders from some some bureaucrat in D.C. about how we're going to do our timber here. And, of course, keeping our Second Amendment rights strong. Um, people ask me about what's your position on the Second Amendment. I says, that's right there. That's that on gun control. It's the Second Amendment. There is there is no I mean, that's the absolute. There is there is no nuance to that or anything like that. Um, pro-life. Um, I get asked questions all the time on the campaign trail. This is all prior to the uh, the, the reporting about the leak of the uh, opinion from the Supreme Court. But they said, well, what, what's your position on this? I said, well, I wish the Texas heartbeat law would be called the, the South Dakota heartbeat law. And that's exactly how I feel. Um, I, uh, I tell my, I tell the people I meet, I, I'm giving, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I don't have all the ideas or all the solutions to everything, but I, br- I bring a fresh perspective based on 38 years of, of global experience overseas, uh, serving our country. I, I haven't lived here all my life, so I, I have a, I think a broader vision, and I understand things. Um, uh, I have a strategic thinking pattern developed by just you, you got to to survive uh, it helps as well as a good tactical sense um hey, if you can drink chai with with the enemy i think i can certainly negotiate with with rhino republicans um are you back from the potty now i am back from the potty it's uh you probably want to edit that comment out <laughs> no i don't care dude no not at all um no, I'm 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 in, I'm infatuated. I, I completely forgot we were talking about you running for South Dakota. I got all amped up about about the Cold War and nuclear plant. I I love that. I mean, um, Doomsday Machine, a uh, Dead Hand, uh, Raven Rock by Garrett Graff, all about the continuity of government plans. NORAD, Site R, uh, the Greenbrier Hotel, um, <laughs> I, I, Strategic Air Command, Curtis Lemay, all the different nuclear weapons. That I actually got to meet Curtis Lemay. You you got to meet him. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he was in a wheelchair. He was pretty, uh, you know, old. I mean, this is yeah. like a year or two before his death. Okay. Um, but I mean, it, it's, it's like, it's like meeting one of the 12 apostles. Oh, uh, I mean, is. it was, it, it was extraordinarily reverential and our, the, the, the sink sack at the time, uh, was, uh, was Richard Ellis who, uh, was a, um, yeah, if you know your history, he's a famous World War II B-24 bomber pilot, won the Distinguished Service Cross. Uh, and he was, I mean, he was cut from uh, the Curtis LeMay cloth. And it was, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I got called to his office one time, I was like, oh, my God, my life is over. And he wanted just to say thank you for a job well done, which is the way LeMay treated his troops. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, um, it was important. Um so yeah, I mean, and been to Raven Rock, AK Side R, and uh, I'm so um, jealous. No, it's it, you know, it, it's um, I I did a a, a joint pollination tour with the uh, the joint staff, uh, the J five, and um, I learned all about um, uh, continuity of government and all the uh, assorted categories they're in, and uh, I mean, some of it when you get when you neck it down to the the last line, it's um it's pretty eye-watering and eye-opening and scary i don't want i don't want to go there i don't want to be that and, yeah you know yeah. and when we when we went into side r for an exercise we actually got i had to live in side r for two weeks um so cool. it, it was it was no it wasn't no it wasn't it was I, like it was i like, love it, it from like, a historical standpoint that's well, what it I was mean, it was I cool love. historical it was cool historical and this is 
way before 9-11. This was back in the, in the late 90s. But it was like stepping back in time because it was still under caretaker status. So we had to get special dispensation to, to utilize it. And um, it was literally like Ozzy and Harriet furniture. I mean, go to Nick at night, folks, watch my three sons or something like that. And you will, I mean, we were, it was, oh, it was like, but after 9-11, it, it got a, a, a huge infusion of cash, I heard. And it's, but it's a, it's, it's an interesting place. It's a, it's a good capability uh, that the U.S. has. Um, it's still very vulnerable, obviously, to a, a big, you know, gazillion megaton burst weapon. But so I, I like those things in the in the way that in the way that I, I, I like D-Day. Like you don't no one in the right mind likes it. I love the historical value of it, the logistics, the I mean, I don't like it it's in the same way no if there's a nuclear war i want it to land on my forehead i don't want to be in one of those fluorescent lit bunkers a mile underground eating mres and you know scrubbing the, your own air like i like norad because i like the engineering aspect of it you know the mm-hmm. the double vault the the 90 degree blast doors the huge the, springs yeah 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 the the made out of an ingot of steel the the electromagnetic radio or the uh, emp shielding the reservoirs like that's all interesting to me the mm-hmm. the continual like the the backup the tertiary the all the different uh communication systems i love all that stuff i would never want to actually be part of but it's something unique right no one ever mm-hmm. You have your rainy day fund. You never want to use your rainy day fund, right? You have never. money for when the bad thing happens, but you have to have it. Um, but that's what I I love about that stuff is uh, Raven Rock by Garrett Graff. I think it's one of the best books ever written. It, it covers from like starting with FDR, how like the first bunker that it had to be a ramp so you could just mm-hmm. glide down it all the way up through whatever was the most recently declassified thing. Um one of the things they talk about was the idea well, could you just keep scaling up nuclear weapons? Couldn't you just get them bigger and bigger, right? Czar Bombo was 57. It was scaled to be 100. There's actually a plan for something called the DUCC, the D-U-C-C, the Deep Underground Command Center, which was supposed to be 3,500 feet directly below the Pentagon. And it was rated to survive a 300 megaton airburst or multiple 100 megaton bunker busters. And I know that sounds like someone that doesn't, under, like you're getting the numbers wrong. I've reread that page a hundred times because I'm like, this isn't, this sounds like a second, a second grader wrote it. No, 300 megaton air. So three times our bomba or multiple hundred megaton bunker busters. And they never built it because LBJ, I think LBJ squashed it. He said, why would I want to like rule over my own tomb? But no, it's all there. Back to what Mm -hmm. we're saying about modern day. It's all there. Eric Schlosser says in, uh, in command and control, he gets to the end of it and he's like, we have a lot of these, we have these sort of illusions that the threat of, you know, there's no more duck and cover drills. We don't really engage it anymore because the Soviets are gone. But he was like, all these, all these silos, they're still there. They're still manned and they're still ready to go and they work. It never went away. It never went away. It's just, we don't, it feels like it went away because tear down this wall and it all comes apart and we did it. It could pop off today and in 30 mm-hmm. minutes or SLBMs, they could be here in four minutes and it'll be well, over. Where you live, I, I get a little while longer. 
Why do you? Oh yeah. Well, well, but you, you live, live you live on the East Coast. I do. I do. I'm in Maryland. I'm I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead before I know it's launched. But no. But you're dead too because you're in the ICBM sponge. You're out there where they're gonna soak up all the uh, soak up the ICBMs. The, the nearest ICBM field for me is uh, is uh, uh, Western Nebraska, south of me, and from F.E. Warren. Uh, there are no more Ellsworth doesn't have any more uh, missiles. In fact, the uh, they have a national uh, park um, or monument uh, of the IC of a Minuteman uh, uh, missile silo and the command uh, silo type thing. So it's. Um, it's right on the interstate. You can easy to get to, easy, easy on and off access, just on the other side of the Badlands. Well, if the B twenty ones are going to be by you. You're right, still, but, you're, the, the, but the prevailing wind goes the other way. So yeah. Well, regardless, so, the point is, I got you. Um, I got you. But um, yeah, and and the thing of like the psyop plans. I mean. I think Eisenhower talked about that with JFK like the day before he was inaugurated. He brought him into the office. He's like showing him everything. He's like, and this is the most important thing you need to know. And he picked up the phone and he said, Opal three. And JFK was like, within like minutes, you could feel, you could feel it in your chest. The Marine helicopters landing to come take you away. Mm-hmm. And he was like that quick. And, J- and uh, Eisenhower was like, I think he was like, I will not commiserate with you. He said something along the lines of like, I will not commiserate with you. Like, you need to understand that seconds, the plans are already made. You don't have time to think about what are we doing. You're given mm-hmm. the thing and it's which PSYOP do you want? Do you want to launch everything now or do you want to wait 72 hours? Do you want to take out 100 million or do you want to take out 400 million? It's all the gears start turning. There is things have been put right. in motion that you can't stop. And again, it, you look back and it's what's well, Eisenhower, it's JFK, it's black and white. It, all the mechanisms are still there. And we're flirting with this monster. We're, we're, we're a world that has, we went cold Turkey in 1991 from heroin. And that, that we'll call that the, we'll call that the nuclear arms race. And now it's 2022 and we're going, it's been 31 years. I'll party a little bit. I'll take a pill. I'll take a pill. And you've got your friend, your sober companion going, dude, You've been clean for three decades. You've got your life back together. You got a wife and kids. I'm not letting you do this. And it's like, dude, it's just a little bit. It's survivable. Mm-hmm. I can win a small exchange with some Percocet. No, you can't. You cannot win a small exchange with nuclear weapons. It's just a little tactical weapon. It's just a little bit. What will one hit do? It's the end of the world. And if you can't tell, I get, I get very focused in on this. But yeah, no. <laughs> Well, well it's like we've had more since since the end of the Cold War. We've had more nations that have acquired either confirmed or rumored <laughs> nuclear weapons, <laughs> and 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 the scary thing about that is, you know, so okay, so the the Soviet Union, the Russians, okay, they're 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 adherents to the Mad Doctrine, and and that's good, and we we sort of there's a there's that understanding. The British and the French have their nuclear arsenals, and and they're adherents to that as well as we are. But now you got the Indians, and you got the Pakistanis, and rumors to have the Israelis, and and if Biden has his way, then the Iranians, and you know Japan's talking about acquiring it, and South Korea is talking about acquiring. And the thing that scares, you know, me when I used to think about these things as part of my job, is uh, especially this this uh, pollination tour. Uh, in the joint staff in the J-5, is what is the command and control structure of the Indian nuclear force? I mean, what's, you know, how do they go about doing things? I mean, we have a, 
pretty good understanding of the other nations that I, I just mentioned, uh, you know, the, the big ones, you know, France, Britain, the USSR, ourselves, even, even to a good extent, I think China. But India and Pakistan, we don't have a clue. We don't know if they have a, a Cheyenne Mountain or a Raven Rock or a in Omaha or a, a duck or, 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 and what's the process? What's the procedure? I mean, you know, we, we understand, you know, the, the president will be, you know, sir, you know, the, you know, X country has just launched a nuclear attack. The first warheads will impact at these targets, these locations in, in so many minutes, you know, what are your orders? You know, in comes the guy with the, the with the briefcase, he opens it up, he pulls out the book and, uh, oh, it's an awesome book. And, um, it's, uh, you know, he, he flips to the appropriate tab, you know, country X and sir, you have options A, B, C, D. Uh, and I'm just making this up folks. I don't know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> and, uh, but, you know, and then the president has to, as, as Eisenhower informed Kennedy, you know, you've got to make the decision. Like, do you, you want to go, you want to go red, blue, yellow, green. I mean, pick, pick, pick your color scheme because, they're on the phone or on the computer or however, and, and they're, you know, getting ready to deliver the presidential commands down through the food chain, down to those Minuteman launch silos, down to the uh, Ohio class submarines, you know, underwater somewhere in the Pacific or the Atlantic or to the, uh, the B-52 guys up in uh, Minot, North Dakota that are still nuclear capable and say, Hey, you know, we're we're executing major attack option, whatever, or or selected attack option, whatever. So, and it, you know, it it's going back. And then they're doing this while the Secret Service guys are are you know, basically uh, you know, walking walking the president or you know carrying the president to to uh, to Marine One to get to uh, either Air Force One or or whatever's available on the ramp at Andrews, because, you know, we have to maintain continuity of c- command and control, continuity of government. And it just, uh, I mean, it's, it, if the American public knew how, how uh, well we do, we do this sort of stuff, at least on a good day, um, we would, we're, you, you should all be really proud. Um, the thing is, is that we know, we know how we do things. We have a good idea how the Russians do things and the Chinese do things, but the Indian, India, Indians and the Pakistanis, not so much. Same with the Israelis um, and, and God, the Iranians. I mean, you know, you know, you know, Mullah, Mullah, crazy Mullah gets, gets a wild hair and he goes, you know, we're going to, we're going to nuke Israel. And I mean, it, it starts a cascade, a cascade of events and, and, uh, uh, decisions that have to be made instantaneously it's not like we're going to have a consultation meeting and we're going to do this i mean eisenhower was exactly correct and it you know you and these decisions have to be made and and so when i hear you know the biden regime telling me that the adults are back in charge and everything i i shake my head going i don't see any adults i i, I see a bunch of uh play actors with an agenda uh with a narrative that they really don't, I think, grasp the seriousness and, and uh, the uh, there ain't no walking back from some of these things that you're you're proposing to do. You know, you, you instead of feeding the Ukrainian monster, and I'm trying to bring it back to the original question <laughs> and subject is, uh, and I'm tr- I'm doing a lousy job. No, you're is, doing uh, fantastic. You know, we, we, you know, we need to like, hey, we need to host negotiations. You know, and you know. 
not not let Zelensky and Putin do it through their intermediaries, and and then one or the other gets um, you know gets upset, and then says, well, you know, we're not going to do it, and and fighting resumes with the, you know all the all the all the bad impacts that that has is like no, we're we're really concerned, and we're going to do stuff, and and uh, of course we've lost a lot of that credibility and, and the ability to influence events because we're going to sanction, and we're going to send you these weapons, and we're going to we're going to send you this, and and you know Putin needs to be eliminated. I mean, this sort of stuff is just insane. It, it's in, you know it's impra- it's it's just not it's not good. It's not good. So. So as not to be selfish, because I will sit here and just uh, I'll I'll be like, forget South Dakota. Tell me more about the psyops and the nuclear targeting, because this is anyone that watches this podcast knows that they're like, oh, ta- this is this is a this, part of me is like, OK, I know he's former CIA. He's just baiting me and he's got a He's got a portfolio on me. He's like, talk about nuclear weapons and this idiot will lose his mind. No, to- no I, you know, I. I have too many other things to do than maintain portfolio. I don't maintain. Yeah, don't yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the ego that hey, I, hey, the ego yeah. to think that I have a portfolio somewhere is, uh, hey, get rid, get get rid of the self importance, yeah, you, you moron. <laughs> it's yeah, it's trust me, it's <clears throat> I I have more important things to do. Uh, you, no, absolutely. But you know, maybe the FBI has a portfolio, but I, I, no, not, not a big to deal, but I tell you what, I'll, I'll be happy to tell your listeners uh, all about more, more, more. There I was psyop war stories for a small co- candidate co- contribution of a hundred dollars. Pay to play. Hey, I'm a candidate. I got, I, hey. I got sorry. Uh, we, we should do that. We should do like politics a is taker. expensive. Oh, absolutely. We should do like a live ticker be like, do you want to hear more about the psyops? You put in the quarter. And get the but okay but no but to to bring it back down sure how does how does someone in south dakota so let's just use this as an analogy it seems or i can sit here and talk to you and i can pawn off facts that i've heard in audiobooks to make myself sound smart but the reality is is like it feels very what am what am i going to do about the nuclear response time what am i doing about you know, how much control do I have over the NRO or the National Geospatial Agency? I don't. But what can I do? I can get candidates on my podcast and I can touch on topics that I think are applicable. I can vaccine mandates I can have on physicians. If it's about uh, last summer, the withdrawal, I, I got on Marines at Kabul Air Base. I can, I can do these little tiny things in my little tiny corner of the universe and I can enact change in what I'm capable of. I'm not going to mm-hmm. I'm not going to cap CO2 emissions in China, but I can recycle, right? I can, I can have right. a second trash can in my kitchen. There are little things that I can do. So on that level, what are things that people in South Dakota can't, aside from donate to your campaign, and I'll, I'll put the links in the description or follow you on Twitter. <laughs> no, but really, Sorry, no, my, it is. My, my dog's here. He's, That's he fine. wants love. He's... It's fine. Hey, buddy. Yeah, you can join. I don't care. <laughs> do you know how many dogs and birds and cats have joined the podcast? It doesn't matter. Um, but it, what could people do in the same way that I look at PSYOP and I go, I'm not controlling that. What can I do? I can, I can interview OGA Ron. I can interview Joe Kent. I can push their stuff on Twitter mm-hmm. for people in South Dakota who maybe they're looking at things like the increasing rise in housing prices. What are things they can do aside from donate to your campaign or go out and vote for you, or at least just subscribe to you on Twitter? Are there things that they can do? in the same way that 
I don't have a say in where the Ohio class subs are, but I can interview Mike Durant and talk about the problems with vaccine mandates and how it weakens the readiness of defense contractors. Little tiny mm-hmm. things in my little tiny corner of the universe. What are things that people can do in South Dakota? Well, <clears throat> obviously staying informed um, and 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 not just trusting a sole source media. I mean, come to your podcast, uh, some other you know website. Well, of course, your show. I'm not going to say yeah, yeah, everything, yeah. but. Everything but, but Tom, Tommy's podcast. This guy gets carried away with B21s. He's completely, okay. he's, he's clearly unhinged. Don't follow him, but. No, no but uh, you know, get get, uh, get informed. I, th- I, I think that's the best thing, not just in South Dakota, but everywhere in this country. The, the more informed we are, um, the less low information voters, low information citizens we have. That's, that's what really scares the, the uniparty in, in Washington, D.C., um, you know, which we always say, oh, how come the Republicans are allowing that to happen in D.C.? Because they're all part of the same grift. They're all part of the same con. I mean, that's why Joe Kent's message resonates so well with the people in his district in Washington state and why he's got a national following is because he's he's going to go in there and he's going to start breaking apart the grift. And, you know, you got you got gets and you got, uh, you know, uh, what is it, uh, MGT uh, and a couple other ones that are, are are working it. But Joe comes in, and I'm sorry, I'm you know not to take anything away from those other people I just mentioned, but Joe's Joe's got a lot of credibility. He's got more credibility, I think, than most of these people. Um, his service, his sacrifice, his family sacrifice, and his articulation of of the issues is is very impressive. But and and he he tells he tells he tells the hard truths and people are listening so yeah i know i'm i'm shilling for joe i should be shilling for me but no but getting getting informed is is the best thing and and your podcast and other podcasts like this you know bringing in the the anti vaccine mandate um, md's um us former military and intelligence people I shouldn't have said that in that way. And then intelligence and military people, uh, yeah, come, coming in here and, and trying to just educate the people because 99% of the people I meet on the campaign trail, you know, the, one of the first, so what'd you do before you retired? Well, I worked for the CIA. And some of them are like, oh, that's cool. Others are, are going, oh, you're, you're, you're trying, oh yeah, big time. I'm, I'm, I'm the daytime vampire. And I'm, I'm trying to, you know, do, do to uh, our state government and peer what, what they what you guys did in washington dc i go wow <laughs> yeah. Do I? so hey but it's it's you know it, people are a, a product of of the uh, the entertainment they watch the media they they take their input from and so that's that's really what they can do so you know and they have to make a decision on on the on the people they they vote into office whether it's the school board uh, city council county commissioners State legislature, uh, federal offices. I mean, you gotta you gotta hold people accountable, and you gotta and you gotta really ask questions instead of just, oh, he's a Republican. Check. Um, no, he he might not be a real Republican. He might be a Rhino. He he might say he's a Republican, but is he really? Let's let's look at what he's. What he's oh, he's in favor of tax increases. Well, that's really Republican. Oh, he's in favor of government government provided housing or government provided a health care. That's not real Republican. So we, uh, we, we got to work on that. So I think that's what people can do, not just here, but, but everywhere is, is get better informed. And, and uh, because, because 
most <laughs> the po politicians are counting on you, the American public, to not be so bright, to not be, to not ask too hard of questions. You know, you're you're gonna they're gonna repeat, regurgitate some social media meme slogan that you've heard that's you know all the rage, and you're gonna like rah rah rah, and they're you know some marketing execs put together a a couple of good bullet points and. But you, when you stop and think about it, going, huh? What what have I just heard? What 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 does that all mean? I, I mean, I'll give an example. So our local congressman, who I I I support, but I I'm not like embracing, but I support him. Is uh, he uh, he came to uh, Spearfish, which is the the big town here in our in our district, and and uh, he held a little coffee if you will he you know he wanted to meet people and was hosted by the local republican party and so he got asked a lot of questions and um the lady bef before i spoke she asked questions about um will you support a repeal of the aumf the authorization to use military force and and not implement another one for any this is all just right before you, you the ukrainian russian thing kicked off and will you uh you know, pledge not to uh, support a, another AUMF uh, for U.S. troops to go to into Ukraine because that was a lot of talk was going on back then. Uh, will you instead uh, support a declaration of war? I mean, let's you know get yourself on the record. And he, oh my goodness, I you know, dancing with the stars should have recruited him. I've never seen such good tap dancing. And so you know, she kept trying to re-ask re the question, and he kept avoiding any sort of answer and because he's from washington and we're just a bunch of rubes in south dakota you know he, he his, his responses to her were sort of um condescending yeah so i i got i got upset and i, I looked right at him and i said all right just tell me what tell me explain to me the strategic significance and and the you know the national security significance of ukraine to the united states I mean, why should why should we here in South Dakota care? Why should why should the United States care that Ukraine is goading Russia to do this and things? You know, and he looked at me and he and he and he does that little Bill Clinton thing with his fist and his thumb. Goes, I, ha I hate that thing so much. Yeah, <laughs> I I do too. And he goes because Putin's a thug. And I looked at him and says dude um, I, yes i called our congressman dude and uh i go dude you, i can I, i've been all over the world i can swing a dead cat in 99 countries and i can hit a thug i mean tell me explain to me again why this why 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 ukraine matters to the united states well because you know putin's aggression and this and that and i've gone i you're just repeating you know the the hype from dc there's no independent thought i mean he's great on farm issues don't get me wrong but when it comes to national security stuff he he's he's a babe in the woods and i i looked at him and says look i just did 38 years a lot of it overseas and i've got skin in the game i've got a son i've got a daughter i got a son-in-law do you have any skin in the game well putin's a thug i go no dude that's that's not a good answer. And we went on for a couple more back and forth. And finally, he's, well, I got to answer some other people's questions here because, and, uh, and later on, my, this other individual came up who happens to be my current opponent for the open seat here. And he says, you were very rude to the congressman. I go, no, I wasn't. 
I was respectful. I was just aggressively questioning him. I mean, if you think I'm rude, well, fine. You know, your question was basically you you played roll over, tickle me Elmo. You you were like a little puppy dog. You you fed him a softball question and he gave you a softball answer and you walked away like a puppy that got his tummy rubbed. So yeah, no, I you know, and I would encourage everybody when you meet your political leadership, your your the government officials, whether they're appointed, elected, or what, be polite. Don't do a Maxine Waters, you know, type of screaming, yelling at them. But, but be our, ask hard questions and and hold them to account. Because if you don't, they're just going to keep doing the same thing every single time, and they're going to oh well, you know, I was a hard audience, but boy, we we walked away, we got them. So yeah, no, it's you gots to, you really have to. If you don't, you, you're you're not part of the solution. You, we've got to hold our political leadership accountable. And if, if they feel it's too hard to answer the question, well, you, know, you don't have to run for reelection or, you know, I understand that the city has a great retirement plan. Maybe you ought to take it. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't, if it's too challenging to answer the question, then how in God's name are you going to be, be able to take on a, 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 a belligerent Russia or belligerent China. If you can't answer the question, right. how are you going to be in there to authorize the Senate Intelligence Committee to authorize some new special access program to make these, or even if you're in you're the president or if you're in the direct chain of command, be involved with PSYOP or like, if you can't answer the question, how are you going to do everything after that? Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. It's like, right. it's the same thing. If I can't, if I can't interview you and be respectful how can i do that with how can i do that with a president how could i how can i expect to interview anyone bigger if i can't do my first episode and be respectful to my friend and and give him my utmost and you'll notice my phone isn't anywhere around me it's off it's not around there's nothing worse than you just talking to a guest there uh-huh yeah sure sure if i can't do that <laughs> how, how can i expect to have you know, to get on Dr. Malone or something. It's the same thing. If And, and the answer is, is well, it's fine. If you can't do it, it's fine. You just, but, but you probably shouldn't keep going. No one's mm-hmm. making you do it. Um, <clears throat> uh, with that though, what would just kind of as a personal question, what, what are your thoughts? Do we completely just leave Ukraine and, full disclosure that is kind of my opinion i think it's terrible i've interviewed ukrainian refugees but i've never heard an answer other than like you said putin's a thug and we stand for democracy and and liberty and it's like dude i I get that but like what is the actual answer is is this 100 percent nato aggression that caused this or u.s biolabs or is there some wrong on russia's side just this is just me asking you. This is kind right. of dependent right. of everything else. Well, well, Ukraine's been a pebble in our shoe, our, our the U.S. shoe since. Well, since no, since since its independence. Okay. And yeah, uh, it you know, it's just it's just been, it's been a mess, and it's you know I've I've heard all sorts of descriptions, and like you, I, I feel for the the the, the average citizen of Ukraine, they're. Uh, you know, in the build-up to this, their government kept denying that it was going to happen, and the people were walking around like, "Oh, nothing's going to happen." My government says it's okay, um, and then it happened, and you know, 
you know, refugees are flowing into Poland and Romania. Um, you know, it's just, it's terrible. And they're, and then the people suffer and people are dead and, and their, their homes are destroyed and their livelihoods are destroyed. And that's terrible, but we're not the solution. Um, we, you know, and Zelensky, um, <laughs> I got to give credit his, his media advisors, his, well, he's his, got a uh, great team. Oh, he's got a great team. And he plays, he plays us like a Stradivarius. Oh yeah. I mean, when I say us again, I'm talking about the Western audience and he's, he's not the leader we think he is. I mean, I've had, you know, retired senior agency officials who used to, you know, carry the presidential daily briefing book and do, Oh my God. He's like Churchill. I've gone, really dude. (laughs) Are you serious? Are you a fanboy or what? Didn't he just buy like a $34 million home in Miami? supposed to talk oh, about that. oh i mean well isn't yeah he just like you and me it's like a marvel movie they're really it is. isn't he worth a billion dollars shut up aren't they yeah. isn't the azov battalion aren't they actual white supremacy shut up nazi wait hold on because two years ago i was oh, I, a nazi for supporting trump but now now yeah. if i say slava ukraine it's okay but well sorry. yeah it's 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 all it's all about virtue signaling and, and things but the, the the thing that bothers me about ukraine is that it nobody's really like stop what what are we doing what do we want with you what's our end goal what's our what's the what's the desired end state that we want with ukraine do we want full restoration of ukrainian territorial integrity before the russian occupation of the donbass and the crimea and things like that or is there some sort of adjustment of of borders that that needs to happen so you know everybody walks away reasonably unhappy or happy or, or, you know, like, okay, that's because I don't want to keep, you know, destroying my country and I don't want to keep destroying my armed forces. Uh, let's, let's do something, but there's none of that going on. It's we're, we're, we're just shoving more wood into the fire, the fire being Ukraine and wood being weapons for, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to fight Russia to the last Ukrainian. Well, I don't, I don't think that's the solution. And uh, because eventually, you know, I mean, you can war game aside. You know, we keep talking about we're going to we the, the the Western nations. We're going to supply you with, you know, this weapon system, this tank, and you know, and things. Like that. Well, tanks travel on flat cars or or low boys towed by you know by semi tractor trailers, and, and uh, well, you know, and they're they're chugging along the the Ukrainian railway coming out of Poland or Romania, and we're on the on the on the road and they're just they're in a loose kind of convoy because hey we're in ukraine territory it's all good it's all friendly and you know well we're we're coming up here at you know like 20 kilometers in and we're you know all the all the uh you know us or, or polish or you know whoever drivers you know we've taken off our uniforms and we put on some civvies and uh we're we'll we'll do the the transfer you know of, of the equipment. Well, Hey, here's the keys, you know, have fun and, you know, keep driving to wherever you're driving the stuff to. And the Russian, I mean, you know, the Russians will come over and start wiping out these convoys and, and, you know, and also we've got dead Americans, you know, I've got to go to Dover and, and, and look at my watch and pretend to hold my hand over my heart. And, uh, oh my gosh, um, what am I going to do? Well, He's given me the, the 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 reason to to do what I I I I'm I've been trying to 
to get us to do. And, you know, Pelosi will get up there with, you know, a bottle of vodka and she'll be, or, or whatever she's drinking that week. And, you know, she'll be talking about the, the merciless massacre, the evil Russians, you know, and the innocent Ukrainians and the, and the American patriots who died protecting Ukrainian independence. Like Ukraine is some bastion of, of sweetness and light. I mean, it's a, it's an extraordinarily corrupt country. And it, and it's not a country with a lot of history. I mean, I got, there are Ukrainians. It's, it's an, it's a, it's an ethnic region, but I mean, Ukraine hasn't been, you know, this is, I think the longest they've been independent. I mean, the landmass of Ukraine has been divided between historically between Poland, Russia, um, the Ottoman empire. Uh, it goes on and on and on. So it's like, you guys, I, I got it. You want your you want your independence? Great. You want to pretend you're a Western democracy? Knock yourselves out. But don't sit there and um, keep kicking the Russian bear and asking for things you know is going to piss off your neighbor. And then when your neighbor comes over and you know swats you on the nose, um, and you start crying, oh my, they're picking on us. But I mean. Russia warned them about, you know, hey, EU membership, not really a good thing. You know, uh, that whole NATO thing. Yeah, not even not even consider that. And they persisted. Uh, you know, it's like and um, but we didn't do our part at, at the same time going, hey, you know, this is not on the table. There, there's no NATO membership for Ukraine. You you guys, I mean, you guys can consider yourselves part of Europe. That's all well and good. But you guys can be like Finland. You guys can be a buffer state and, um, you know, work on improving yourselves, fix yourselves. And, um, you know, and while you're at it, don't forget to give 10% to the big guy. <laughs> but I've like, what is our involvement? Well, it, it seems like it's just, I mean, it not keeps to be ramping up. it's, well, it's, it seems just like it's a money laundering place. seems like that's well, it. Well, apparently so. And, and, and what's remarkable is that, you know, in, in a normal world, <clears throat> some journalist would have already been putting together a, uh, you know, hey, here's the real history of Ukraine. You know, the, you know, and he can start it by, like when, when Joe Biden withheld foreign aid until the prosecutor got fired. Or even before, back before then, explain to the Americans the, um, uh, what was the agreement, the, uh, where uh, we, uh, we agreed, or, or it was agreed that the, uh, when the Russians retrieved their, their nuclear missiles that were left in Ukraine, in the silos that were based in Ukraine, um, and with nuclear weapons on top of them, uh, and they were all shipped back to Russia, that there's supposedly some agreement to, you know, uh, guarantee Ukrainian territorial integrity and things like that. And the Ukrainians felt forced or whatever. I don't, you know, again, I don't even know the full background and history of this, this whole event, but you know, explain all this and how Ukraine became the um, the the home station for all these um, shady characters with billions of dollars and and you know of, of money laundering and influence operations on Western leaders. Uh, I mean, I mean, it makes it makes the Russian kleptocracy look tame by by comparison. Yeah, I feel like I feel like your site should be much higher than than just South Dakota. I'm doing just fine. I know. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't mean that as, as a, as a critique or as a. No, I, I, I hear what you say, and I appreciate that. I, 
this is the first political campaign I've, I've seriously really run. I mean, I did one in uh, when we settled for a brief bit in Idaho, and it was I, I, I failed miserably. I made every mistake a candidate could make, and I was running for county commissioner. And the, of course, the last election before that was I, I ran for sixth grade student body president, and I won that. But uh, uh, I won eighth so, grade vice president, not to not to pat myself well, on the go. back, but you know, right. I'm pretty much part of the deep state. But this this is uh, yeah, there you go. But this is uh, this has been quite quite the uh, it's it's a good thing. I'm I'm. I, my opponent, he's a tough opponent. He's got lots of name recognition. He's a sitting county commissioner. Um, but he, uh, his policies and his, uh, the way he, what he talks about are, are not Republican policies. So I, I'm working hard and uh, learning a lot. Uh, South Dakota, ha- you know, ground game is everything. Uh, knocking on doors, talking to people, shaking hands, um, and trying to also leverage some of the technologies. Um to uh, get into a national, uh, a higher level here in South Dakota is um, extraordinarily difficult. Um, there's, I mean, you know, it's it's just it's extraordinarily challenging. As as uh, as um, interesting as something like that would be, it would be, uh, um, I think, a, a, a road too 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 difficult to travel until uh, sometime in the future. Is it something you'd consider in the future? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, let me just say, like, so I've this is episode 802. I've talked to a ton of people. I can say you you are one of the more magnetic people. Like you, well, you talk, and I and I get I go, I go, all right, let's like I forget we're talking about South Dakota, like <laughs> yelling about Sidar and Raven Rock. It seems, in my opinion, I, I feel like you are a voice that. You could do that on a national scale, but then it's also local politics impact your life a lot more. And if right. your true end goal is to fix where you live, then yeah, it would be local politics. Right. And um, I think I think national level is, or or some is um, it would I I could see myself um, as a part of a kitchen cabinet for uh, somebody maybe like a Joe Kent, um, and uh, that would that I think would be a better fit in my wheelhouse and I could, you know, keep my local roots and, um, and, and help Joe articulate or not that Joe needs any help articulating his message, but, but help, help him carry that message out. So, by the way, I, I've been endorsed by Joe Kent officially. I saw that. I saw that. I saw that. I think yesterday I I saw it. Yeah, I was, I was pretty, uh, I was like, wow pinch pinch i couldn't believe it so i know i i I saw and i will have everyone know i got to i got to meet joe ken and i did get it on video of him saying i endorse tommy's podcast now does that hold any weight in any rational and what no does that hold any weight in any meaningful way absolutely not but i just want to throw that out there too that i'm also it's 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 a it's a it's a great boost because you think you're you're you're, you know you're on the right track i know um so I guess kind of last questions and we will do another episode and I guess we'll, we'll focus more on, on South Dakota and actual policies and things. I know, I know I got carried away with, uh, that's with, okay. It's with, your with, show with nuclear targeting. I get, I get excited. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I had on Dr. Malone last week or the week before, I, don't, I think we talked about vaccines for maybe two minutes. We ended up talking about like the Dulles brothers and the CIA and like dark banking and oil and all that stuff just went way off into the weeds for like an hour and a half. And I was like, anyway, yeah, vaccines. 
But um, <laughs> so as someone that, do you think that the strategic defense initiative, do you think that ever actually went? I, I mean, I know a lot of it, 99% of it was a bluff. Um, I have watched several documentaries tens of times each with Lieutenant General James Abramson. I know that they were developing like particle beams and, uh, you know, uh, gallium arsenide chips. It's been almost 40 years, not quite like 35 years. Do you think that's that actually ever matured into anything or is mutual assured destruction really the, the hammer at the end of the day? Can you really, as LeMay would say, 1% of bombers will always get through. And when it comes to thermonuclear weapons, that's all you need. Well, yeah, it's just like, just like terrorism. We just, you just need one successful terrorist. Yeah, I get one, yeah. Um, um, with regards to the SDI to, to Star Wars in, in popular culture is, um, I, I think, you know, as you say, it was, it was, a, it was a, it was a fantastical bluff, but it was backed up by, by funding and, and research and, yeah. and actual, and actual testings that, you know, that, that really messed with the the Soviets now the Russians their head, and we basically drove them into the poorhouse. Not that they needed a real far; it wasn't a long trip for them to go, because they were already living on on thin ice and and uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul so and so. But um, the I think the important some of the important thing a lot of technologies were explored, and uh, there's still a lot of research going on, and and we still we still have some reasonable aspects of maybe not so much SDI, but of, of anti-ballistic missile defense. We've worked on, you know, the THADs, you know, at, at Fort Greeley in Alaska, we have, uh, you know, some, some interceptors up there to, uh, you know, prevent, you know, a North Korean errant rocket or, or, you know, which is really all they can really do. Um, I mean, it's, you know, terrain-based or land-based, uh, anti-ballistic missile defense is, is challenging, you know, radars discerning between an actual warhead, a decoy, uh, the, the ash and trash that comes off the, uh, the booster, the post booster vehicle, that sort of thing. And, um, but it's, it's, it's interesting technology and there's, there's a, there's a reluctance to, uh, I believe to, uh, for on the U.S.'s part, and this is just Ron's personal opinion. Uh, and there's a lack of political will to initiate any sort of, um, Star Wars-like or space-based defensive system, uh, because now we've militarized space, and that not that we it's not already being done with with uh, anti-satellite uh, missiles and warheads and and uh, you know who knows what some of these little you know dead satellites that are still orbiting up there are actually going to do. Uh, you know, I mean, the imagination is is you're only limited by your imagination, right? Yeah. Um, but the, I, I think it's important that, you know, the research continues, um, on a lot of these things as, a, some things that sound really promising and they, they looked good in, in, in the, in the comic books, uh, may not be so practical. I mean, the airborne laser system, uh, that was on that 747. Y-A-L. Right. The, uh, you know, it, it, yeah, good thing, but I mean, oh my God, the, the power generation required for that and, uh, and then the targeting and, and the diffusion within the atmosphere and so, you know, all sorts of issues I, I'm sure came up. Um, but research on that stuff continues because, I mean, there's just something about the speed of light that is exciting. I mean, even for a hypersonic weapon, you, you yeah, exactly. It's, oh. so it's, it's, um, it's good. So I, I think uh, it continues. The, 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 the challenge is that um, does that research have enough funding? 
Um, does it have enough security? Because the last thing you want to do is is have you know some crazy loon come out of you know area pick a number uh, saying, oh my God, you know we're we're doing uh you know whatever what we're going to do a moon based laser. Not that we're doing that, folks. Um, <laughs> we haven't been to the moon since you know, since the early seventies. Yeah, seventy two. Seventy two. Thank you. Um, so yeah, it's um. You know, it's it's an it's an interesting thing, and but if if it gets if it ever does get implemented, it would it would throw off everything. Um, you know, as we say, mutually assured destruction right now yeah. is still, it's it's the balance of terror, and that's a that's a sad way to describe it. But um, if we suddenly had the ultimate defense, what's what's to prevent a a crazy leader from saying, well, we can eradicate these, you know. The, the bad Chinese and, and, or the bad Russians or the, you know, pick, pick your bad guy of the week. And, uh, and we're, we're fully protected. Yeah. You know, it would, it would give a, a feeling of omnipotence that may not be in our best interest. Yeah. I mean, maybe some, some defense is good, but a, a total defense, I know this is going to sound radical. I mean, you're going to, you scare the other side into, doing something irrationally before you fully field your total defense. Exactly. You, uh, who was, was it, um, was it Richard Bissell? One, one of these guys promoted an idea of like, we actively let the Soviets fly over the United States. Like we were doing with Gary powers and the U2 and the, well, the, the idea, open skies treaty. Yes. The idea was like, you see what we have, you can see what you have. Um, and it is, well, that was kind of Reagan's whole problem, right? Like the first time he visited NORAD was like, there's nothing we can actually do. And he's like, well, you'll survive. But he's like, but there's nothing we can. Well, no, I mean, the sprint ABM, right? That was zero to Mach 10 in five seconds. Like mm-hmm. that, that, that ABM, then the even crazier one, the Hybex missile, which was, I think it went through 400 Gs. It was like zero to Mach 10 in like half a second. Those worked. They had like a neutron bomb and it would like, it would render the incoming ICBMs inert but we only built like one of them and it was argued that even during the construction of the abm site the higher ups knew that it was going to be scrapped it was a bargaining chip that was showing the soviets look what we can do and so we were able to implement the abm treaty and then and then the salt one treaty as a result from that so you have to be able to and yeah on one side you look at it you go what do you mean we don't want to be we don't want the perfect shell around us the reality is, is mutual assured destruction has worked. And that's, that's probably the hardest pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. But the reality, an armed society is a polite society. You know, fences make good neighbors. Right. Well, hey, when, when Ron and I both have revolvers to each other's heads, what, what a surprise. We treat each other well. Right. Yeah. It's, it's so. Yeah, on one side, I really like to imagine that it works because, yeah, I mean, you look at hypersonics, you even look at reentry speeds. I mean, speed of light around the circumference of the planet, seven and a half times in a second. Get out of here, hypersonic. Kiss my ass. But it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, even something like the YAL, that's maybe something you'd have flying around with Air Force One. You're not going to have a fleet of them. You're not going to have some Operation Chrome Dome thing. Right. But I like to... It's the imagination. I like to imagine that there's some SDI, some something going on. I'm, I'm sure Dale Brown will write about it in one of his books. I hope so. I've 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 had on Richard Rhodes several times, you know, author of mm-hmm. Making the Atomic Bomb, and I've tried pushing him to write a book on Star Wars. It's like there's nothing there, and I'm like, don't don't crush my heart. 
lie to me. Tell me it exists. Tell me that's where all the trillions have gone. Um, but Mr. Moeller, thank you so much for coming on here. We will, like I said, we'll absolutely schedule another one and we'll focus more on, on South Dakota. People are watching <laughs> this right. going, what does this have to do with South Dakota? Shut up. Listen, I'm talking about Cheyenne Mountain. I know it's not in your state, but you need to learn about the ICBMs now. Um, but I'm, I'm happy we had this discussion. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. So did I. I will put all of your links in the description. If you could just text me any links you want, and I'll, I'll okay. just copy and paste them right in there, as well as your Twitter. I'll put that in there. I'd um, be happy to. Thank you so much for coming on. you have any closing thoughts? No. Again, thanks for having me. And, and folks, remember, we, we are our own saviors. We are, we, we are our own lifeguards. We, it's taken 50 years for our country to get to where it is today. And if we don't, we need to start taking it back today. And it's going to take a while. It's not going to be instantaneous. So we, we need to work hard and step up. Don't be afraid to step up and get involved. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not. No one's coming. No, nobody's coming. It's true. It's there's no one coming. And but there's a beauty to that. There's no one coming. So stand up and start it. And it's great. Um, but. With that, Mr. Muller, thank you so much for coming on here. Thank you for entertaining. Thanks, thank you for entertaining my ramblings. And uh, <laughs> if I didn't have a file before, we have a file now. And uh, <laughs> you know, I've got close enough with 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 now you. I've had on nuclear bombers. I've had on guys in nuclear subs. I I've had on someone at the Pantex plant that assembles the nukes. I haven't got on a silo guy yet. Maybe once I get the silo, then I'll get the knock on the door. But uh. I'm playing a I'm playing a game of bingo with continuity of government. I'm like, come on, just give me the knock on the door, bring me away. So, thank you so much, and uh, everybody welcome. else out there, God bless America. Thank you so much. I'll text you. We'll set up another uh, episode. Uh, until next time, thank you so much, sir.